Parry Talks. Parry Talks. Welcome back. Another week, another episode. Yes, sir. You may have noticed I've been quite consistent, which is rare from Parry Talks. <laughs> Weekly episodes. Um, I do get a bit busier next week, so maybe it might slow down a little bit, but we still have heaps going on. Parry Talks Alumni Volume 1. It's currently in pre-orders still. It comes out when you're listening to this this Friday. Go buy it. Raise some money. We are just over $400 raised for Aboriginal Legal Service mm. in like a week and a half. So go spin it. Go text FBI. Tell them you want to hear that stuff um, and they will play it. So thank you guys for supporting that so much. It means the world. We've, we are changing the world at Parry Talks. Yes. One, <laughs> One bit at a time. time. One release at a time, one interview at a time. So thank you very much for that. I'm so overwhelmed by the support and everything going on. Also, another side note, just the intro. Go read Independent Editorial. Go read Purple Sneakers. Go read Power Rats. Go read Sony Rhodes. Go read all of them, please, now more than ever. Even if you just got to, you know, open an article on your phone, then go on your laptop, open the same article. Mm. Go on your work computer, open the same article, refresh it a couple times. Trust me, it makes a massive difference. Enough talking about me and my work. I've got a very special guest on, someone who I have been keeping a close eye on for the past six years. <laughs> um, but someone that I always inevitably thought would end up here from the beginning. And they're here now. It's the one, the only, Boy Soda. What's up? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. No worries. Anytime. Um, how's 2021 been treating you? I know. Last year was super hectic for a whole lot of obvious reasons. Mm. But how have you felt the energy this year been? Have you felt a restart or is it a bit more of the same? Just how no, it, feel, it feels good. It feels like a, a continuation of last year. Like um, last year, we just got like so much shit done and like so much. Um, I feel like building on like the Boy Soda project. Like I just last year in like September or something, like really late in the year was when I first started sessioning in Sydney. First session was at Bodega with the Corky boys. Um, and then just from there, it just like fanned out into all these all these sessions, went went super hard. So we, I feel like we did a lot of groundwork last year. So now we just got this massive vault. And now this year it's like, oh shit, I get to open it and I get to release shit. And that's the fun part. Yeah, so you've done, the hard work's done now. The groundwork is done, I guess, yeah. for now. Yeah. And then the exciting part. Yeah, there's still stuff to be done, but like this part is is the fun part. Definitely. Mm. I love that. Just to sort of intro your project to people if they haven't heard you, your bio is just soft boy over 808 type <laughs> beat. And I think that's a beautiful way to put it. Thank you. Um, and like this whole soft boy thing is a whole, whole dynamic and whole sort of thing to dive into. But mm. there is a lot of like just the simple dichotomy and like the eight or the what it means to have an 808 drum on your song versus soft boy thing mm. is that, you know, versatility or like, you know, your multifaceted nature as an artist, a big thing that you've been focusing in these recent sessions and writing and honing in on that sound? Yeah, like not intentionally, but I'm, also, I'm always just really, I just want to be really transparent and, and open about my feelings and stuff. Um, because I've, I know I just, get, I just get bored of, of everything else and like rapping about or like singing about things that like I don't do. And I, I just think it's like so oversaturated with like people just flexing things that are just a regurgitation of what they've heard from like the American market. And I don't know, I've always thought I was really in touch with my emotions and like very mature from a young age in in that way. So I just wanted to, 
I just, that's just a byproduct of you know making music and also being like hyper self-aware which is like a blessing and a curse sometimes but um i just grew up loving r&b and hip-hop music like my cousin used to torrent me all the clean versions of albums because my parents wouldn't let me listen to explicit so i'd always be like he like he got me into kid cuddy and like I was super into Usher and Neo and like all the like 2000s classics and then like listening to Trey songs in like year five on the back of the bus just like nasty as fuck like what is what is he diving into I don't yeah. I don't get it and then being like oh so it kind of came from there yeah I feel like everyone has that that realization <laughs> I don't know if you've had this as well you can talk on it how like when you grow up even like now I still listen to songs from like back in the day yeah like when I when I listen to him as a kid and be like, oh my god! It's like watching a Disney movie and then like picking up on like the little in jokes that you missed as a kid, and you're like, damn, my master kind of nasty. <laughs> my my big one is what rewatching The Simpsons because I used oh. to love it growing up and then like watching it now I'm like, why did my parents let me watch this thing? True. My parents didn't let me watch it. Ooh, there's always like a little, like were you one of those families that you were allowed to watch The Simpsons? No, like I wasn't allowed because it was too rude or it was past my bedtime. And then it got to high school and everyone, something would happen to me like, this is like that Simpsons episode. And I have to be in the back of the class like, yeah. Oh, and Simpsons. never got it. Have you seen that like TikTok trend where it's like people talking about like cartoon characters that they'd smash or like that are like, ooh, like that are hot? It's super sus. I haven't seen it. Get on it if you're listening. Go on TikTok, find them. They are absolutely hilarious. I don't think you'd like that. No, it's not about that. It's what? about like some Disney character. It's like, damn, that was low key. They could low key get it. Mrs. Incredible. <laughs> exactly. Elastigirl. The things. Anyway. Coke bottle. Do you feel like, just to get the conversation back on track, because I don't want to thirst trap <laughs> and thirst My bad, about Simpsons. No, it's fine. It really is. We, we love a tangent on Paris Wilson. We're going to get there. All right. Um, do you think that a lot of your music listening now reflects that sort of um, like hyper honest but also super versatile sort of artist that does sort of bridge those boundaries like do you reflect that in the people that you look up to or do you think it's a very personal thing um, I th- definitely a bit of both like it definitely is just a, a direct correlation between I guess my personality and like how I've been brought up and I'm very careful with um, who I let in my inner circle and who I let affect my energy because I know that I'm also I'm just also like such an empathetic person and um I just I feel like I feel things like very deeply and very intensely and not to discount like the way other people feel things but um I think just just being like that is always going to come out in the music but I also try and keep my spectrum of things that I listen to like as wide as possible like I try to force myself to listen to things that I know I don't actively like because I want to understand it better and just also, I, you know, you listen to the same songs in the same genre, it kind of restricts how far you can build on that. And I think, you know, you learn the fundamentals of a genre and then it's about, okay, how do I make them interesting or how do I take them a step further? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm still working on that as well. And um, just like listening to, like I love listening to like, John Mayer and like Mac Ayres and then also going down to like Scarlord and stuff yeah and just being like just, just ripping into it yeah 
I pre- yeah, I think. Do you feel that if you did just listen to one genre, not so much from a growth perspective as a person, but like even just as an artist, do you feel like it'd limit your work straight away just be getting trapped into like what you expect or what someone would expect of you? I think, I think it would limit the longevity of my career. I think you have to be constantly adapting and changing, you know, and showing growth as an artist. And I think that happens naturally. But if I was just honed into the one genre, it would really restrict my ability to do that because like other genres are like different potential paths that you can let influence your music and not listening to them kind of cuts them off. Definitely. And I think, and I think especially with the world you're operating in, that is like, obviously like, like in Australia right now, there is like a brooding little group of artists that, make music that you can't really define which is like super cliche mm-hmm. but like a lot of people try to put it into r&b because they don't know what it is yeah. when really it's not that so i think it's super interesting that that trend is coming up in australia i think before a lot of other trends which i think is a super positive thing as well it's so it's so sick and especially just everyone everyone in sydney like you're at a studio black bodega and it's just like this hub of people and you're like everyone's gonna know the names of the people in this room you know it's just a matter of time exactly beautiful next up mm. um and talking on that you've been writing with a lot of different artists recently um just like through that massive writing period what do you think collaborating teaches you about finding you know your own sound and how do other people infiltrating you know your creative process help you find yourself in their music um i i would never i, I don't think it's an infiltration at all like oh no that, that was a horrible word no, but, but you know what i mean but um collaboration is like it's such a fine line between like finding out what they like and kind of stepping into their shoes but also bringing what you can offer yeah and i think for when i first started co-writing i was learning to co-write it was uh i I completely step into their shoes and try and write something that they like and then the power like there's a lot of power in being like oh like I like when people say, oh, that's such a boy soda hawk or like, I love yeah. this verse. I love that melody because it, you know, it has my qualities to it. And that's something that I think I hunted for a, re- a really long time and I'm still working on. But everyone goes through this, this period where they make music, where they first start and they're just replicating all their favorite sounds and favorite songs. And then it hits this point where it, f- where it switches and it's like, oh, now he's on yeah. his own shit. Now he's, you know, expanding on that. And I'm, I think really only in the last year I kind of hit my stride there and Daisy Chain was the first song that I really really loved and felt like it was a boy soda track um and then you know I I hit that stage and then collaboration felt so much more fun because I was like I'm in a room with someone that knows what they like and what they're good at and I've kind of just started stepping into my own as well so now it's this like amazing mesh of of ideas and I really love learning because I get really bored of my own melodies and like lyrical inclinations yeah. and then writing with heaps of other people especially in different genres like I've just been top lining for lots of girls like in the last year and I love that because I get all these melodic ideas that you know I'm not getting from rap which is obviously super male dominated and everything yeah. so um, I find it actually really like I would argue that it's crucial for me yeah to be collaborating with lots of people just because it's all, it's always showing me what I'm not very good at, um, what I'm good at, and also just changing my preferences a little bit because they I get bored of them. Definitely. Do you feel like that you spoke about that period before you flicked the switch almost? Mm. 
flick the switch. Wow. Before you sort of change over, do you think it was like necessary for you to go through that to like just learn a craft, learn a skill before it's like, okay, now I'm ready to sort of properly go through? Was it like a necessary stage, do you think? In your yeah, life? 100%. I think the difference in, in like in some artists is that sometimes you see that stage publicly and sometimes you get the music after they've gone through that. Yeah. And it just depends. Like when I released my first song, um, I like I loved it at the time. I was like, this is like, I'm making the stuff I've always wanted to yeah. make. <laughs> and then like Days Chain comes out, sounds so much nicer. And I'm, I'm like, I almost wish that I'd started my releases with see someone on Daisy Chain. But also it's a nice sonic, like chronological story, yeah. story you know, on on the streaming services. But yeah, I think it's it's inevitable. Like everyone goes through it. It's either public or it's not. Exactly. Yeah. And one last question, just I'm just unpacking you. Shoot, shoot. Um, and this is a time where you can gas yourself up. <laughs> Do you feel like writing with other people gave you like a lot of confidence? Where it's like, hang on, like I'm good at this shit. Like I, like it's sort of as like a confidence build that you can write with anyone, do anything with anyone, and just like, be feel confident as Boy Soda to make a song, or, you know, just like did it affect your confidence at all? It definitely, it definitely validated yeah. what I thought of myself as a writer and a musician, and especially because like coming from the coast, there's there's not a, there's not a huge music scene down there, and if any any there's any good musicians from the coast, they're in Sydney now. You yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> Um, evidence yeah so it was very validating for me because I hadn't really been working with the caliber of the people that I'm working with now um, and just being able to hold my own in the room is like I was really surprised at the, at the start and I always go into studio sessions with like zero expectations on, on myself or the other person um, you know I just go in being like I'm just going to make whatever the whatever the vibe is you know sometimes I just never go in with any preconceived ideas Definitely. like we're going to make this type of song or I need to like be on my shit today and write well and just going on with zero expectations was always always made me um, hold myself like I was confident yeah. at, at the start um, Definitely. and just not very nervous even if I was shitting it inside um, and that kind of developed from faking it to being like oh like yeah. ex- I know I can bring something to this session now um and that's really nice to feel that do you feel like being from the coast and being almost like coming up separately sort of benefited you in a sort of way because you didn't get anything handed to you and it sort of happened naturally and evolved naturally rather than it just being like grew up in Sydney don't really know anything else don't really know how to work or like Mm. a creative passion or anything do you think that being from the coast benefited you at all? yeah definitely I also think being from the coast like there was not really a lot of people that listened to R&B music or hip-hop in general it was just like surf you're, rock baby you're not you're like you're not cool because you don't listen to surf trash and i'm like yeah i don't not that i hate surf trash but i just want to listen to r&b all the time you know it was a huge yeah. separation so i kind of just was in my own bag like learning on like learning garage band on ipod touch yeah. and then you know going to a computer and then jumping to logic and that kind of whole transgression and like sydney's obviously like so there's a lot of rappers and a lot of singers in Sydney, especially in, in R&B. So I'm really glad that I was separated for a bit to kind of figure my own shit out. And because there wasn't a lot of R&B people on the coast either, it made me find my own sound a bit better yeah. as well because I was, wasn't influenced by any other artists. And I think sometimes comparing yourself to other people really caps your ability yeah. because 
you think you have to sound like them or you think you have to like do the same shit you're doing but it's like you should be in your own bag and in your own lane um, and I really try not to look left and right of what my project's doing like I really love to be influenced or inspired but yeah. you know it, there's a lot of push and pull with that and I think you have to limit yourself um, so I, I just I just try to not see anything else because it really doesn't yeah. matter it's like what do I want to make how do I feel is my music good and then it comes out and then I'm like how's it matching up to everyone else but yeah I try not to look left and right very often beautiful and shout out to the central coast as well yeah facts it's a beautiful little place I'm definitely going back there when I retire do you think yeah I think so I hear like a lot of people want to retire in like like north coast New South Wales and all that stuff yeah but I feel like it's too far it'll be it'll just be nice to come home yeah definitely yeah I want to retire in Belmore with my grandparents. Where my gra- imagine like retiring in the same place that your grandparents lived. That's dope. That's hard. I'd be I'd be retiring in Pato Bay. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad about it. Yeah, but I could think of way worse places. <laughs> yeah. Shout to what's the postcode there? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. Shout out Nana. <laughs> you know what? You you segued it for me with Daisy Chain. Mm. Play on Triple J. So random. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, was it the first? Where were you? Was it surreal? Did you know what was happening? Do you throw a big party, to, you know? No, like, Jade, shout out to Jade Zoe. Thank you so much for spinning the song. Um, she just tagged me on Instagram, was like, playing these people today. I was like, oh, dope. Didn't really register that it was like Triple J that she'd be playing it on. And then I just went out. I had like the best weekend ever. Like, we just went out on Friday night and then woke up and then just spent like Saturday in Newtown and it was like, golden and it was you know it was amazing and then um naz hit me up and was just like yo you got played on triple j and i was just I, I wasn't like ecstatic about it i was just like dope i was like tick i was like another thing ticked off the list yeah you know baby steps like what's next um which i think i'm is like a bad thing for me sometimes because i don't stop and smell the roses because i'm always just like yeah i'm like that's good but i want better and i'm like at what point like, will I ever be satisfied? It's like, what if I get a Grammy and I'm like, but it's not 16 Grammys, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, so I, de- I definitely have to get better at that. Definitely. Obviously, like, two years ago, I would have been like, man, imagine if I got paid on Triple J. Like, that would have yeah. blown my mind. And now I'm just like, oh, like, sick. Yeah. On to the next, like, what's the next song? La, 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 la. But, um, yeah, it's dope. It's yeah. nice to be recognized always. Definitely. Um yeah, that's super interesting. Like, how? What do you think a big and like this is like saving the deep, big deep questions for the end? But we're here now. Yeah, go for what it. What do you think is like your big motivating factor? Like, obviously, it's not this like, and for most artists, it isn't the big, you know, the rewards, the recognition, any of that stuff. But what's your motivating factor to be making music, or what it's like? What gives you the most reward out of the whole process of it? It's the fact that I think everyone's like some people search their whole life to find the thing that sets their soul on fire and the thing that they love the most. And I found I was really, I was really lucky to find out very early that that yeah. the music's what I like to do. And it's like if I don't if I don't if I don't make it as a musician, I because obviously everyone wants to be successful obviously yeah. it's like if I'm not doing music and I'm living comfortably off making music then I don't want to be here I genuinely yeah. I don't like I love it that much and it doesn't matter if I'm producing or writing or top lining I, I fucking love the process of making music I love releasing the music um, 
it's just like you go into a room with someone and then at the end you've got this tangible thing that didn't exist yeah. five hours before and that's the fucking coolest thing in the world to me and I just, I'm just so aware that you know there's people in the world that are working nine to five jobs that they don't really like and I'm, I'm like you're, you're the best in the world at something but you just never figured it yeah, out yeah exactly and that's my that's my driving factor is if anyone else was in my position and they loved music as much you know I'd and I was watching I'd want them to be doing everything to make it work definitely do you feel like that that weight adds internally do you think it adds either more pressure to the music thing or do you think it does the opposite of that where it's just like this is my truth it's chill I'm doing it because I know it's what I mean to do or do you think it adds an extra layer of weight of being like <laughs> I think I think there's definitely an extra layer of weight but I just ignore it yeah. I just I just ignore it because it, it truly doesn't matter yeah that those expectations even though they're there I'm just I'm, I just block them out because in my head I have this this feeling of inev- inevitability and it's I'm, I'm not worried about yeah. making it I'm just like I, I feel like it's I feel like it's inevitable for yeah. me as co- I, not on some cocky shit it's just like I really believe in myself yeah. like that and everything's been falling into place in the last year and I've got like amazing people around me that I really feel amplify the things I want to do and don't water down my creativity or anything and I've been really lucky not to have any bad runnings like that um, so I don't I just stay focused and yeah I, there's definitely weight stay there, short-sided yeah exactly way. yeah exactly one day at a time stay short-sided I like that bars ba- bars <laughs> I ask everyone as well at the end of every podcast to like spit 16 bars if you've got some Mm-mm. I'm joking. I no, fuck you. I have this legitimate fear, and I never, I'll never call myself a rapper. Like I'll rap on, I'll rap on songs, but I'll never call myself a rapper because I have this like legitimate fear that I'll get on Hot 97 or something, sway in the morning, and be like hyenas only, and I'll be like woo woo, and then the beat will start, and I'll just like I can't freestyle very well. Like I, I can freestyle melodies and then write to them after, but like. I'll never advertise myself as a freestyler because it's actually one of my biggest fears. Wow. After like burning alive or something. I'm doing a podcast with Bray. It's a good day. You're making me nervous. It's a good day. See, boss. It's good simple. day on my mind. <laughs> Let's dive into that. Like, how do you feel about um, categorization as an artist? Because like, like, while you have made R&B songs... Mm. I feel like you're not an R&B project by like traditional default, mm. in my opinion. Mm. You might think differently of that. Um, yeah. You know what? No, Parry, you're right. I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> um, how do you feel about like just people trying to pit you into a certain like song or vibe or like just categorizations and genre? And how do you try and manipulate that like from a strategy perspective in your artistry? I, I care and I don't. It's like, I'm going to make make shit that I think's cool and then people can slot into whatever bookshelf they want. Yeah. It doesn't matter for me. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, that's why I like having a team that does all that, all that for me because I'm like, just put me in whatever genre you think is going to yeah. get the most response. I don't care as long as the music's yeah. being heard. Um, I except being I, a rapper. Except being a rapper, but I'd love, I'd love to be a rapper, but yeah. I just, I don't want to ever get put in a position where there's the whole hip hop culture watching me. And I'm yeah. like, 
Yeah, I just can't. I just can't. You're making me nervous thinking about it. Really? Yeah. Bars. <laughs> Whoa, that was from the soul. Don't make me freeze down. <laughs> um, let's just strip it back a bit. We've got so reflective. We've been speaking for half an hour strip about life. The first time you sort of came like um, on my like radar properly where I was like paying attention to the artist project was with Converse X. Mm. And that was super cool. Um, what even like was being a part of that? How did you get approached for that? Just like, what were those initial phases like in that process? Um, so they're called the All Stars now and there's just this like dope community that's obviously facilitated by Converse. It's international, it's all around the world. And they just, they just amplify creative creative kids and like sporty kids through their brand um in the most amazing way like they back they back us to the point where there's like not really a lot of benefit in it for them like they make they spend money and they spend time on us because like they truly believe that that's what that's what matters and then like i can't fault them at all because they just like i got this dm from them and it just started with hey guys with invasion day coming up you know um we're holding this day to like make signs for the rally and stuff and, and i was just like the fact that they opened that dm with yeah with invasion day coming up just like you know no compromising it's just like it's just so impressive and and so on par and um leaves a good first impression as well i guess yeah it's like just some brand hitting you up they're just or, amazing they yeah. just they just do it for the right reasons they just genuinely care um so they they dm'd me um the second year that they were up and running and we're just like we want you to be part of this i Went to the open day, like met a lot of amazing people that I'm still friends with now. Uh, got some free shoes. And then obviously the after, the opportunity came up um, to go to LA. And then that was the most insane thing that I've ever experienced. Cause it was yeah. just like this all expenses paid. It was my first time in America, like opening for Dominic. Yeah. Dominic Fike at that thing. And then like can't flog nor it's like you headliners at Sydney festivals, it's like you can choose, but yeah. Camp Flognor is just two, two days of all headliners. Yeah. It's fucked. It's ridiculous. You, that's, that was going to be my next question. Thank is, you, Converse. I love you. Wait, I'm going to pause there. Because I saw all my, like, heaps of my, like, artsy cool friends are, like, going, getting free shoes from Converse. I'm like, what have I done wrong? <laughs> I worked so hard for you. Can we try to get you in? Yeah. Okay. Done. Okay. Alicia, can okay. we add can we add Parry, please? <laughs> okay, we can pull, we can cut that out actually. No yeah. size to converse. I'll see you guys soon. Um see what I can do. You've done something that I'll that I've not been able to achieve yet in life. You've done many things that I've not been able to achieve what? yet. What? But that's also on my lifelong goals list. Go to Camp Flognor. Because mm. I am a Tyler Stan to the toe to head. I dre- I dre- I will crop chinos and the fleurs and baggy golfing t shirts for two bro. years. You are early. All through school, mm. mufty day, I'm like, this is my chance. Yeah, bro. Look how short my pants are. Love it. Pink LaFleur's as well. Mm. Chef's kiss. I was just on another one. I was collecting golfing when I was in year nine. That's crazy. Like, I'd collect all my, like, get all my Christmas money, all my birthday money, and then, like, when a good, like, the autumn winter drop would come, I'd be like, oh. That's I've still, in my closet, I've still got, like, plastic bags unopened bro. with, like, golfing in it. But Especially in Australia, because Australia is so late to everything. Like America's always like a year or two ahead with like music and fashion. Then someone in Australia does it, yeah. then we're like, oh, cool, and everyone jumps on. But 
That, you know it's early, bro. Seeing like people wear Lafleur's now out, I'm like, you don't know what you don't know what those shoes mean. Lafleur's are the new the new Air Forces. <laughs> I hope not. No, no. Um, <laughs> but what's like a potent experience, either like like deep and strong emotionally for you that occurred at Camp Flognor, like watching an artist or just an atmosphere, but also like a funny, like lighthearted, like oh that was super funny from that. Um, those two days in heaven. It was heaven. We just, uh, it's just like, it's such a weird experience because you're there with people from like 20 other countries that you, you're only, potentially only going to spend time with for this one week. Yeah. And then you potentially never see them again because they're from Serbia and Iran and all these random places that you might never get to. So you just like, you just don't think about it and you just have like, it's like you've got one week to live. So you just have the best time ever because you know you've only got that time with these people. Yeah. And then you're also doing these amazing experiences anyway. So I just, it was just so weird, like seeing my favorite performers with people that I've never known before, yeah. like feeling so okay with it. Yeah. Um, Daniel Caesar was just like, the, I just love the fact that I had to run from Daniel. I had to leave a Daniel Caesar set early <laughs> because like YG was coming on yeah. or FKA Twigs was coming on or some shit, I can't remember. But I was just like, the, it was beautiful, bro. Everyone's yeah. <laughs> leaving Daniel Caesar to go to... Um, I, oh, it's Brockhampton. Yeah. On the main stage. And everyone's seeing Best Part, bro. Like, thousands. Yeah. Tens of thousands of people all seeing Best Part as they're walking away from Daniel Caesar to the main <laughs> stage. It was just, like, crazy, bro. It's like an arena of people singing it. So that was beautiful. Definitely. And then... At the end of... On the last night... <laughs> Oh no! The weird, the weird experience was seeing Drake get booed. Yeah. Oh yeah, you were there that for was that. That you, bro. Was it, was it as like, as prominent as people made it out to be? Where it's like everyone. You couldn't was hear booing? the boos because we got VIP, so we're on like the side. <laughs> I beat for it. Yeah. <laughs> like flexing something. I got yeah. <laughs> um, it was crazy, bro. Because I was, he was like seeing all these like. Like album songs that yeah, you guys yeah. sing live and shit. Cuts. Like Tyler wanted him to sing like Feel Aways and yeah. stuff. And, and then he just cut the set off early. And I was like, oh, is this. I was like, is Frank coming out now? <laughs> You're one of them. And then all the lights turned up and it was just like early in the night. And I was like, fuck. It's done. I was like, I just want Drake get booed. What's going on? I was, was like, like America, America really is in trouble. <laughs> No, he deserved it. No, bro. <laughs> no, bro. Everyone, everyone has had this expect, expectation yeah, that Frank was going to be yeah. there and that was never promised. And then, no, I hated that shit. It says so much about people. Like, imagine being that, like so many people are just so entitled, like so entitled. They think they can, oh, so toxic, it does bro. give me the shits. Yeah. But if I ever get booed, I'm like, Drake got booed. Exactly. When would you ever get booed though? I don't know. At the Leonard shows. <laughs> Leah, Leah. Cut the interview. <laughs> Imagine like I'm doing a little Uzi Vert Nardwa <laughs> walkout. I'm not sure who is playing first, but imagine either way. Like you find out. Lee's playing like somebody you, and everyone's like, "Boy soda, boy soda, boy soda." No, never. <laughs> I'm gonna be doing that. I would never want to infiltrate her, her space that she has. Definitely not. Shout out so to her. Be- so beautiful and so lovely and just. The energy she has when she walks into the room, it's just like this sigh of relief. Yeah. Just like this 
this calm just goes. You're like, oh, we can chill, Liz. Yeah. Not to talk about, you know, other people on your podcast or anything. Yeah. But cut, cut that out. <laughs> when we, when she came here, I was like, I don't know, it was a really stressful week for some reason. I don't remember why. Mm. I was like, oh, shit, got to do a podcast now. I completely forgot. Like, writing the interview, like, that morning. Mm. Got here super stressful. was a bit late. Had to set everything up really quickly. And she came in just like, hey, Perry. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's good. It's true. It's calm. We got yeah. this. And yeah, it was beautiful. She's the best. I've seen her live like once and I'm just like... Amazing. And I haven't we seen her live yet, so... I went up yeah. yeah. In awe. You can come on 26th. I've got tickets. 26th of March. Uh, tickets are in my bio and tickets are in Paris bio, right? Yeah. In the link tree. Yeah, chain... Nope. Just, just <laughs> my... Just the raw, no link tree. The raw link. <laughs> raw links in bios are overrated. True. It's nice having like whatever your bio is, and then the link to it. It's, like, it's one extra click, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But if you really want to pay money to see, to buy a ticket. Like, True. Anyway. So, Converse. Converse. What, what do you think, back to you. Let's talk about you. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think that whole experience sort of, and obviously it would have taught you a lot about being an artist. Um, so this is, might be a bit of a broad question no shoot but what did it properly change about the way you thought about strategy creating art and going forward like what was the big trigger from doing that um the one thing was just like feeling validated and you know they kind of caught me when i was still in what i'd say is like a develop development stage and still kind of figuring my shit out yeah and then you just have these people that you know having a, a huge company like that like asking you to do things or like make little videos for them or you know doing anything it's just like it's like oh like like converse wants me to do something yeah i must be doing something right so that alone was just like this huge like back brace for me like doing stuff and uh, you you get surrounded by all these other amazing people who are just as hungry and just as talented like equally as anxious as you about doing things and um it was just a, amazing to to kind of get put into that community and and just feel very at, at home it was like all all the nerdy creative kids at school that would have been yeah. like sitting under the stairs and shit all just like rocked up at the same building yeah and it's so cool and we're on top of the world as well like yeah finally like got the recognition that they do deserve yeah i feel like yeah was but it also just seeing their how they run their like background work and how much preparation they yeah. put in for everything it was like oh like this is like this is a professional operation and that's how I need to be like running my shit from yeah. now on definitely so just the the level and the tier of how the, of like where they're operating was really nice to know because like that's the standard that I set for myself now definitely yeah beautiful another thing not to just talk about Converse the whole time <laughs> but one cool thing that I noticed about the Converse trip that I was like, damn, I really envy that. Mm. Other than the free shoes, was you met the PAQ boys. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> pre- and pre- I used pre- to breakup. I used to be a PAQ stand, but yeah. they just disappeared off the face of the earth now. Mm. Who is the freshest in PAQ? Probably Denny. Yeah, okay. Denny's Correct. just Correct like answer. Denny's just like got this steez for like, I don't know. They're all they're all sick. I think um. Oh, I don't think Denny was there actually. Denny's a tall one, right? Yeah. Um, Alias. Yeah, he's fresh. Yeah, and Chaka as well, probably. They all are, man, <laughs> and so lovely as well. It's scary how fresh they are. Yeah, 
And Dex is just like obviously like yeah, just Are they? so nonchalant, yeah. so effortless. I felt Respect. so underdressed, bro. <laughs> so underdressed. It's the accessories thing that I've sort of learned as well in the past like year. Accessories are important. But like I thought I was fresh, and then it's the, the edge, you know. Literally, you can have just like a best and less fit. Yeah. And then put some like accessorize it right, and then like game over. Yeezy. <laughs> Daisy chain mm. big step forward and we've already sort of spoken about how it was a big step forward because um, I think it took the project to the next level personally agree and it got some serious eyes on you as well um, just talk through writing on that so- writing that song and reflecting you know yeah. how it's been engaged with by audiences so my friend hooked me up with this like producer at the time and it was this kid and he sent me this beat pack and all the all the beats were like crazy like young Franco Rex Orange type beats yeah and I was like these are sick so I recorded Daisy Chain over this track and then I thought he was a producer so he sent it back with like some shitty vocals of him singing the hook like through like a raw mic it sounded like it was going to an iPhone and I was like oh like just just take your vocals out it's chill like yeah you just stick to the production in a nice way and he's he was like, oh, it's not my beat. So he sent me... Oh, my God. He goodness. sent me a pack of beats that were, like, from YouTube that were already bought and had, like, millions yeah. of views and shit. I was like, I was like, how can I be so stupid? <laughs> so I had this acapella for Daisy Chain. Yeah. And then I first linked with Tintendo after I worked with Udo because they're tight. And then I sent him the acapella for Daisy Chain, just, like, one file with all the backing vocals and shit. And then he sent back... He sent back Daisy Chain. He's a freak, bro. Magic. He's a freak. He like a song that I really loved. He made it even better. And I just saved it. Do you feel like obviously you like almost knew writing it that it was like oh, I feel way more in my own bag with this song. Do you think that that reflected in how people like engage with it and enjoyed it more because it did come from your heart? Do you feel like there was an extra level of like attention on it because like that was a consequence of you know you reaching that next level? Yeah, and I think also, because I've kind of been producing myself for a bit and was still learning a little bit, and it was like, I've been writing cool, coolish stuff, but Daisy Chain was the first song that I think deserved better production, and I didn't know it yeah. at the time, and then Tentendo was just like the glue, and he was, he kind of, and after that, I, I kind of knew... I was like, oh, that's what my music can sound like. It's yeah. And I was kind of already starting to session in, in Sydney or like getting to that. So I was getting to the stage where I was finding a sound that I really liked. But like when Caleb sent that, it was just, it was like, oh, like this is what I can sound like. Like I can sound yeah. way better than I currently do. So it was kind of a happy accident. Beautiful. Um, sort of you've been writing with a lot of people now. I already said that. Come on, yeah. bro, you already said that. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Um, and it's super sick and a lot of sick people who's like the one person that you've sat with or ridden with and you just see what they do and you're like you're a genius or just like just being blown away by like the way someone writes or the way someone does something in their creative process um well you can name a couple but like if there's one potent experience I just started um I just started working with this producer called Gabriel Esplan. Esplanado? Esplanoso? Sorry, Gabe. He's going to pay you for that. Um, and he's like, he's a freak. Yeah. He just makes everything. And 
I was in a session with him and Northeast Party House, and um, Zach was just like, oh, can you make the guitar like do this melody and sung it out? And he just like looks around the room and just goes like this. Yeah. And I hate it when he, I hate it when he does that because he makes me feel so untalented because he plays guitar and looks at me while he's like playing really yeah. like, like hot shit. And like we just, I've just had some amazing sessions with him where it's just like, I've never, I've never felt like I've crossed over collaboratively like that cohesively with anybody. So he just like, I leave sessions with him just being like, I hope he never works with anyone else because I want him all the time. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I, I learn stuff from every session. Like Leah's super careful with her lyrics um, and I get really lazy sometimes. So that definitely made me go, oh, I can probably mm. make, my lyrics can be better. Yeah. So all those writing sessions have just leveled up everything. Yeah. Like leveled up my workflow, leveled up the way I write about things, like fleshing things out one step further and yeah I'm lucky man like I've had some amazing sessions beautiful yeah like the last this is gonna be my last question that before like the universal questions I ask everybody yeah and this is gonna be funny <laughs> you do have a very close and direct relationship mm. with your manager mm. and I think no it's, I think it's really rare I think it is really rare and really special um, that's very true how important is having that, you know, like positive reinforcement and positive relationship with someone that works so closely on your project? And how do you think it gives you the step up as an artist? Yeah, she's she's my rock. She's like she holds she <laughs> she holds me she holds me down because it's just like I need I'm a person that needs deadlines and needs like my shit sorted out because I just want to make music all the time. Yeah. And if I don't didn't have Naz, I would just make music and it would never come out. Yeah. Um, so I'm very lucky to have her and I I met her through um, Jordan Grant because he lives like next to her in the apartment bu- the apartment building and then she heard my demos like while he was playing them and then hit me up and I was like oh like yeah I'll let you know if I ever need you <laughs> and then Jordan was like no 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 like you need Naz and then you know we, we go through it's my first time having a manager as well so there's an, a lot of navigating yeah. the relationship and finding out how each other works and realizing that sometimes you have to be a bit stern with me if I'm not replying to emails and yeah. then like I need to kick up the arse every now and again and like that's fine with me because um Naz is good at it and I get shit done um, <laughs> she really thought that she was going to sit in the room and we weren't going to talk about it <laughs> we know you're there um and I know that a lot of people just have a very business like yeah. relationship with their manager but um yeah I, I don't know I just thought it was normal until I kind of heard other uh, yeah. other things but it's really special and it's really nice to it's like such a direct and open line of communication and i feel like my creative vision it just it gets handled really well by yeah. naz by naz and andy and and everyone else that you know gets involved in the process along the way um, and i'm super protective yeah in my like how things get executed creatively um and like naz knows that and she's always verbalizes it exactly how i want it to be verbalized and you know never changes it and i'm lucky for that for sure beautiful so it's chill shout out shout out naz um mashallah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> last last <laughs> just jumps out the window <laughs> last serious question and i ask this to everyone um how does boy soda measure success you know not so much on a I want to, you know, 
sell out this venue, but like internally as an artist, what impact do you want Boysoda to have on someone listening or for yourself? Um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't look at numbers. Yeah. Like I definitely look at streams and I'm like, oh, it could be bigger or, um, but I'm always going to think that, like I yeah. said, like I don't stop and smell the roses very often, but. You eat the roses. I kind of measure it on like how much I like them. <laughs> eat the roses. <laughs> I kind of measure it on how much I like the music. Yeah. Uh, and I've been like bumping my own demos in the car lately. And I, I love that I love listening to them yeah. now. Because I didn't, you know, a few years ago. Because I went there. Um, so I don't know, man. I'm so, I'm so aware that this is what makes me happy. And I never want to ruin that or overwork myself to the point where it feels like a chore. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I, I'm happy right now. I'm really happy right now. Um, I wasn't <laughs> smiling when I said that, but I just, I just love, I love my schedule right now yeah. and the fact that it's so music orientated. And I guess I'll always measure my success on, on numbers. But the main thing for me is that I'm happy. And I'm happy lately, so it's good. It's beautiful. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> Comes out on Friday, I'm like, don't release it. I'm having a bad day. Um, <laughs> Alright, let's talk some absolute garbage. Okay. I think... This segment's called Trash Talk. This segment's called Talk About Food. Because I might be a touch mm. hungry and I want to talk about food. What's your favourite takeaway? As in like, KFC, Macca's, Domino's, all that rubbish... Is it including like Thai food and shit? No, no, that's the next question. Subway. Okay. Ooh. Subway, bro. You're nasty. Yeah, I pick my subways based on the weather. You're nasty. Like, what's today? today? It's cold. Need a little bit of like homemade feel, so you'd be going for like a meatball sub. Okay. Toasted, obviously. Chipotle sauce, salt and pepper, all the salads, including pickles. All of them? Yeah, bro. Pickles and jalapenos. You're a sicko. No. No, your edge. Get off. Get off. Beautiful. Leave. Um, Apparently, Perry Talks doesn't like people. Uh, no, I I always get let like I go um, be, either BMT pizza sub double meat because mm-hmm. I'm crazy like I respect that. that. Lettuce, dangerous lettuce, capsicum, jalapenos, pickles, olives. That's fair. Is that okay? Yeah. Do you approve? Yeah, you pass. Okay, but like every salad. Yeah, bro. The, even the carrots. Yeah. You're a sicko. It's all about texture. It's all about texture. Carrots are dead. Anyway, now a more serious question where you can actually shout out a venue, either from the coast or from Sydney sure. now. What's like a goat takeaway that like isn't a big stinky corporation? Oh. That's just like the spot, just like the local Central spot. Central Coast, yeah. Boone, Thai and Greenpoint. Okay. Like it's just like in the shopping center car park and no one knows about it. They are the, like the best Thai food I've ever had. <laughs> ever had. Shout out. And when you get there, they've got like... Their placemats are a paper, so you like bring a pen and you can like draw on them and shit. And because they just throw them away yeah. at the end, so you like, and then they give you um, like sugar coated peanuts nice. while you're waiting. Hot. Mm. Hot. See? Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh. Shout out Boone Thai. We're so in sync. Let's get the sponsorship. We're crazy. Right, and last question <laughs> Who do you think should come on Parry Talks next? Who needs this story told? Who would be Yo. great to have on? Who have, you, have you had most of the Bodega crew on? Mm. Have you had Dante? No. You gotta get Dante, bro. 
Dante, I was talking to my housemate about this literally last night. His, his partner, Bianca Beers, posted this thing on his birthday and was like, you're always everyone's favorite person in like every room. And like, yeah. oh, I never forgot that because he, like, he fucking is, bro. He, Dante's got this energy when he walks into the room where you like can't not look at him and you can't not love him either. And he's so welcoming and he's so talented and he just... Like, even if Dante didn't make music, you yeah. want him in the room as the energy center, yeah. bro. Like, you got to talk to him because, like, he, yeah, he's phenomenal. Love you, Dante. Beautiful. <laughs> Parry Talks. I've had on, I've interviewed a fair few people recently. Slow Tie, JPEG Mark. Huge yeah. flex. Congrats on that. Madam Empress. Congrats on that. Leah Knight. The Queens. Who else? But Boy Soda. Solder. You've been my favourite conversation this year. Really? Parry Talks, thanks for listening. Go buy the VA. What are you doing? Go stream all of Boy Soda's music. Facts. Go buy it on iTunes. Yeah. Buy it on iTunes. Send me a screenshot of you buying it on iTunes and I will send you a video <laughs> of me eating a Subway. <laughs> no, this is an actual thing. <laughs> Giveaway. Giveaway time. If you watch this and you find me at Leah and Boy Soda's show boop, boop, boop. and you say, Parry Talks. Parry. You gotta say in that voice. Yeah, you gotta say, Parry Talks. What do I get? A beer. Can you afford it? <laughs> what if like 15 people come up? The company like card. Like 15 times. 750. That's, That's fine. Carry the two. It's like $200. On me. Yeah, I'm gonna start a movement. <laughs> I need 200 people <laughs> Every showing up person. for this. You're just standing at the door like, see this guy with the hair and the... What if I get the whole stuff? crowd to say, Barry Dogs, and then you owe everyone fucking beer. <laughs> Shout out, Barry Dogs. <laughs> hey guys, Boy Soda sent the podcast broke, so we're going to take a hiatus for a bit. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Take Peace. Care.